0: Hello there ladies and gents and welcome to the Red Voices podcast. We are delighted to bring you this special episode of the pod where our very own Richard Kahn had the opportunity to chat to Mr. Miguel Delaney on things as they stand at United. Recorded in the aftermath of the Arsenal victory, uh, you'll forgive them a brief reflection on that game before they really get their teeth into some of the major questions surrounding United at the moment. What does it really look like to trust in youth? Louis van Gaal. How has it come to this, and what will life look like after the volatile Dutchman has left? They talk Mourinho, that infamous letter story that Miguel broke. Will he be the man to take over? And if not Mourinho, then who? Hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Red Voices Podcast, I'm Richard Can, um, and I'm fortunate to be joined by journalist Miguel Delaney today of the Independent, ESPN and various other reputable national media outlets and currently Jorge Mendes' second favourite English-speaking journalist, <laughs> I imagine. <laughs>
1: How are you? Not too bad, thanks, not too bad. I got back from
0: Manchester late enough last night. But... What did you make of the game yesterday from a from a United perspective?
1: Uh, well, I, I suppose the oddest thing about it, I mean, you, you mentioned there about how, yeah, you know, a week ago, everything seemed so doom and gloom. Whereas it's not just about the results of the kids coming through. It almost, it has fostered almost, a, like, I can't imagine what's changing in the summer, but it still has fostered a kind of a bit of a new enthusiasm about Van Gaal again. I mean, the, cra- the crowd really seemed to buy into him yesterday. He had a, he had, like, I mean, one big thing about Van Gaal over the past three months, I think it, it got a little bit unnoticed, is that like, he's been involved in his usual spats and all that. But he's been kind of notably less uh, bolshy or bullish as he usually is, and he's probably one of the most notorious out in the game. Where whereas we saw a little bit of that return yesterday, particularly with with, with the dive, and you know the the, the fan sang his name for the first time in months, and it did, it did just create a kind of um. Like I was actually thinking to myself, I saw Dion Fanning tweeted yesterday about how uh, <laughs> well he was being sarcastic about how this is fine for the youth system that Mourinho wants to promote. But even though I still think yeah, Van Gaal needs to go anyway, um, it is almost, from a United perspective, a shame that there is a potential something of all these young players coming through, and and that we the club will lose one of Van Gaal's key virtues.
0: Yeah, you wrote about this yesterday, didn't you? Um, how much do you think the introduction of the young players is by design? How much is just by circumstance?
1: Uh, I think it's it's probably a bit of both. I mean, he, to be fair to him, he even admitted after the game yesterday that it's not even ideal to throw so many young players in at once. That I think he said he, he, even the word he used was that "we've we've gone overboard." Um, I, I mean, given given some of the lineups of the past few months, you would even wonder whether he would have thrown any of them in. Um, but I suppose circumstances dictated. I because I have seen a lot of debate about uh, his exact youth record in the past two years, and whether he I mean, whether he even fully believes in all of these players. I mean, there's a difference between kind of Giving someone their star and thinking this could be a player for the future, but at the same time, you—Pochettino was quite interesting on this in November, in which he basically just, he nailed the difference between a manager who is into youth and a manager who is um, who doesn't really promote it that much, which is particularly Mourinho. When I mean, Mourinho had that comment about Ruben off his cheek before the start of the season, where he said, "You you know in ten minutes whether a player is ready." Whereas by contrast, Pochettino, and I would say any other manager who's, who's willing to invest in youth, said you've got to show faith in young players, you've got to give them time. And to be fair to Van Gaal, whatever the circumstances, whatever, uh, whether he's even willing to trust these players in the long term, he has been willing to take that Pochettino view to allow young players a place to breathe. I mean, even, even he mentioned it yesterday in relation to Rashford about how the first game is always the easiest, then it's the second game, you have to prove it, and he did that. But, but the fact he was talking about that kind of process was itself indicative.
0: It, it raises a, st- a question. I, I think at the start of the season, if, if you'd asked sort of watchers of the under 21s, the under 18 teams, who are the two sort of best talents coming through, they'd probably have said Pereira and probably Rashford and Fonsi and And it's, it's been interesting how he's initially he chose to give op- opportunities to other players. Um, you know, he, he brought on Cameron Bortwick Jackson for his debut against Chelsea um, I think played sort of the last 15 minutes and he didn't need to make that change it just, it's just as if he decided to to do that and no one would have picked him out as a as an obvious um, player who, looking to move up to the first team and he raises the question, how many young players are there in the sort of under 21 ranks at Premier League clubs who just have the talent but simply don't get the opportunity to,
1: to show what they can do? Well absolutely and even on, on Friday afternoon um, I was talking to someone who Someone at Chelsea, basically uh, about United the night before, and they, like they were, well, they were. I won't say they were talking in disparaging terms, but they were talking with an element of surprise, like saying, talking about how, oh yeah, our our U team played them, beat them five one, and there was even all this dynamic around the game and how, like, uh, some people at Chelsea felt that United want to move the game to kind of a, a, a rougher pitch because they knew the quality that Chelsea had, but yet <laughs> look, look who's actually coming through. I mean, even even despite Chelsea's season and how, like, I mean. Chelsea's league campaign should be perfectly conducive now to bring through young players. I mean, they're not going to get the Champions League. They probably don't even want to be in the Europa League, um, and they're not going to get relegated. So it should be the space to bring through youth. But other than Traore, there's barely been anyone used.
0: I think I uh, I just noticed on Twitter just before we, we started recording that uh, Loftus Cheek signed a new five-year yeah, yeah. contract. I think, which is uh, which is in- interesting for him. Um, I imagine he's earning quite a lot of money, um, but you know, you want you do wonder if you will ever actually get the chance to, to show what you can do there. And, you know, they've had, they've had, they've had a few players who've really promised so much. You know, McEachern and um, Bamford was, you know, quite highly touted as well. And they just seem to, their talent just seems to drift away as they get stuck in the reserves or end up playing at the lower level.
1: Well, that's it. And it is about, I think it, that's why the Pochettino approach is right. Ultimately, there does come a, a juncture with you to where you have to, if you if you're expecting them to push on but don't give them those opportunities to push on then it's just not going to happen and they will kind of drift away into the kind of lower teams and, and it's also I suppose, it's it's about making that key final step in their development just in what is a very very narrow window and you you have to allow them a bit of space but i suppose because of the demands of the top level and the demands of the um what was the necessity to win now it's just it, it, that space isn't being given at top clubs, other than by certain managers who who realise the long term benefit of youth.
0: It's interesting because um, before the the game on Thursday, um, United were set to to loan two of the young players in the squad to bury. Um and it, I guess it shows how your your fortunes can change on on, on very small very small things. Um, was, for Arsenal yesterday is a good example in Coquelin, who you know they were due to get rid of, it looked like he was leaving, and then by necessity, he had to play, and he and looked look back from there. Yeah, um, really. Do you think, a lot of people have said that Pochettino would be a, a really good uh, replacement for Van Hal. Now, personally, I don't think he'd leave this summer anyway, and I th- he'd be absolutely out of his yeah. to leave at the moment. Yeah. Um, I think he's on something very, very good there, and they've got a core of a team that could really do something in the next three or, f- three or four years. In terms of the general picture at United now, do you think the last week really changes much in terms of Van Hall's position?
1: It probably shouldn't, to be fair, because I think for all all the virtues we've seen from Van Gaal this week, um, I think there are still fundamental problems with the way he managed. I think the game has just moved beyond them a bit. Uh, It it seems, I mean, despite what we've said about youth, and even even I think there actually is a potential issue with Pochettino in this way, that he needs a certain type of young player who's willing to buy his approach. And stars aren't stars aren't really um, conducive to his play. But at the same time, well, I know from kind of speaking to people at Spurs that Pochettino has a certain charisma of his own. Whereas uh, there, there seems to be kind of more fundamental issues with Van Gaal and maybe more senior players. Whereas some senior players at Spurs have brought into Pochettino. Uh, so yeah, I, I think there's basically just too many problems to justify persisting with Van Gaal. So I think change needs to come. And it's it's not even it, it does just seem like a bit of a year zero was needed. At the club again. Basically, all the hard decisions that should have been taken post Ferguson. Although I suppose it's possibly understandable that it couldn't take them right then because of everything that represented. But all this, all the hard decisions that need to be taken in 2013 need to come in the summer of 2016. And they've almost got to. They've almost got to do what City did around 2009, 2010, when City basically realised, okay, we have all this money now. We can't just kind of. They went through that spell of like Mark Hughes, where every window they'd upgrade five or six players. They they can't just they didn't just do that. They realised okay we have to put in proper structures, decide what we want to be as a club, and I think United need to do the same. And that's and that's beyond just being a big team that wins. They almost have to you know re redefine or, or reassess their core principles and, and develop a new we not develop a new philosophy but almost properly identify what the club's philosophy is now.
0: I think we've got like the key issue with the club, which is the enormous void between Van Gaal and Woodward. And clearly, there's too much. There's too much um, placed on the manager at the club, I think, and there's also far too much on the football side placed on Woodward, who clearly, clearly hasn't covered himself in glory in the in the last few years. Do you think? Do you think there's a will at the club to put in place better structures to to um, take those responsibilities off and you know, redistribute them?
1: Um, I I don't think there's maybe a realization yet from what I've heard from people who have. Uh... But worked in kind of these football administration spheres that actually that almost offer these services outsources, or as a, as a outsourced work. And from people close to the club, I don't think there's a full realization of I suppose well how, de- how deeply I personally feel they need to look at this. But there does seem to be a will towards realizing that that something has to change. I suppose is a good thing. And I suppose if there is if there is more people coming in and looking at it, then that then it's more I suppose critical opinions, and that could eventually. Lead to, I suppose, the deeper realization. So it, it's, I think, there's a step in the right direction. But I, I, I still think it's going to need um, root and branch stuff. Do you, on the basis,
0: we probably think that Van Gaal will be moving on in the summer. How likely is it? Do you think that that Mourinho will be his replacement?
1: From 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 everything I've heard since the start of January, uh, Mourinho is confident he has it. You have written two two
0: stories recently. so I was going to. Uh, reference the first one is is Mourinho's um, infamous letter, which everyone seemed to think was was utterly outrageous, but but seemed quite an obvious thing to do, for me for for any manager pitching himself at a, at a new club. Um, I was going to say you're one of the few the few journalists, if not the only one, who really engages with people on Twitter, which could be seen as a positive or a negative. Um, it can, and it can, like it, can up, it
1: can take up time. <laughs>
0: It can, uh, exactly. I was going to say, you're like, you're like me in that it's very difficult to let a, should we say, a debate go. Um, and I know over that particular story, you took, you've taken quite a lot of stick. Do you, do you ever reassess your desire to keep, um, you know, conversing with people on, on Twitter and do you have to grow a really thick skin, um, in your job?
1: Uh, well, I suppose there's a few things there. Um, first of all, I think it's one of the great d- democracies of, uh, Twitter, i suppose in that sense I mean, it does just, just open everything up and i think it's actually fundamentally despite the many many negative aspects particularly some of the abuse and things like that although to be honest to be honest actually you, you you actually end up laughing at most of the uh most of the most extreme abuse there's certain other things which you actually take as worse um but all, i think in some ways it's actually i was I was talking to um a colleague dave Heitner of the guardian recently we were on a train just discussing this and we were saying about how it's been healthy for journalism, particularly healthy for for things like headlines, in which people are much more attuned to any- anything remotely deceptive in a headline. And I say, well, hang on, like, and many times you see like a headline that isn't re- particularly in a quotes piece. Yeah, yeah, and you
0: don't write your own headline.
1: Yeah, yeah. but 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 things things like that are healthy, and you you think it it does it it does cause more journalists, I suppose, more, or those journalists who are uh, more active on Twitter and things like that. It, it, it does cause more to be more sensitive to that. I think that that's a healthy thing. the headline is particularly relevant in terms of uh, that news story I did, because um, I think to be fair, what a lot of people latched onto was the idea of a love letter, and uh, I I think I I tweeted that night that it's not a love letter. Um, I suppose from from how I wrote the story, I suppose although there was such a shift in emphasis, basically it was it was Maria doing what he always does. It was um. He, he he put together a forensic dossier showing what a good manager he would be for the club, and I mean when you do that, it's it's not like people kind of send these things with a with compliments. Like, obviously, there's going to be a, a, something contextualizing attachment, and that's what that's what the letter was. Well, of course, obviously, so whereas in the way I originally originally wrote the story, the the letter was the compliment, to this dossier, and I, 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 if you if you look the the my lead sentence on the ESPN version of the story was basically Mourinho thinks a, char- a detailed charm offensive can win him the United job. It, it, there was there was so much emphasis on the, on the letter side, uh, whereas, whereas yeah that was just the sideline to a, something much more business like.
0: It's like a uh, it's like an enormous enormous um, game of Chinese whispers, isn't it? You know what you put in gets distorted and then comes out somewhere else in a completely different form.
1: Yeah, well I was I, even I went on BBC the, on Monday night just to talk about the story and they said. Like I, I've made the line. This has been portrayed as an act of desperation uh, by Mourinho, whereas actually it's the opposite. It's an illustration of how confident he is in his abilities and his 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 ability to be persuasive and persuade the, the United board to let him have the job. Um, and then immediately people to me. Oh, so on one way you're saying he's not desperate, then, but then on the other you're writing stories with desperate letters. Well, you know, if you if, if you if you if you read it properly, <laughs> rather than listen to the Chinese whispers, I'm I'm presuming that
0: if if the likelihood is great that he is going to come to united then the the barrier of um fergie and uh gill and to a lesser, lesser extent bobby Charm has probably been um overcome or overpowered by um by woodward and the and the uh sort of corporate side of the business do you think that's that's really where we are now that that, that ferguson and and gill don't really have the influence they maybe had yeah,
1: well, as well, going to be taking a natural step back anyway. And you would almost think that if, if Gill was willing to offer more, that he, he would be more listened to. Um, but so he, I suppose he's in the middle of a kind of a gray area. Whereas for, with Ferguson, what, what I have heard is that it's, you know, and it's actually interesting in relation to Woodward and his potential future, that it's, it's not been kind of a concrete decision. But basically, with the Glazers and with a lot of type of American uh, business ownership, you get with the big decisions, you get one chance. If you fail it, that's it, and that's almost what happened with Ferguson and Moyes. This was this was you know his his big post retirement decision, and despite what he's tried to spin since, he botched it, and it and it has led it has led to a waning of his power.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting because with with Gil, um, I remember um, after Fergie left and Gil, Gil was leaving. Um, Andy Mitten did an editorial in United We Stand where he said that a lot of people don't like Gil for obvious reasons for his part in the takeover and whatnot, but people need to be careful what they wish for. And actually what we've got is, has been far worse than, than, than Gil. Gil was actually a pretty smooth operator in, in football terms. Um, and, you know, it, it, it would be a, be a benefit to us to have that now at the club now. Whereas with Fergie, it always seemed to be the case that the best place for him, for, in terms of the club, was as far away from the club as possible, uh, because because you know we they had to start again to a certain extent. Um, they had to you know just sweep sweep that away and start from scratch. And I think you know Moyes was doomed because he's Moyes, but but to have Fergie still at the club looming over you and obviously with influence over you know the people over your head, it was never really going to be a very healthy situation and. Um, it's interesting to 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 know that the glazers actually are paying attention to to these things. And you say to people, with with the Americans, people tend to have one chance and then they're out. Then you wonder how that applies to Woodward.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think it it, it is. This is playing into the idea that well, first of all, it's meant that uh, uh, Woodward wants this. Uh, if Van Gaal is to leave, he wants to be honourable because the sacking looks so much worse. Whereas if he if he finishes two seasons. And particularly if one if one of those seasons ends with a trophy, which is yet still possible, suddenly it all it 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 suddenly it Woodwork can put a much better spin on it. Um, in terms of Gail, though, actually, I suppose the the interesting thing there is, I think Andy Andy's right in that sense. And it's you see it so much, and actually, I've been thinking about it a lot this weekend because of what's happened in the Irish general election. But I mean, Gale, I suppose, is one of these people. He's just politically. He's a brilliant compromise. He's able to draw a compromise. able to bridge different strands, uh, but and despite that being such a necessary skill, and it's pretty much crucial to you know the good functioning of any institution, they're often the people that get criticised the most because because they can be spawner as sellouts. Where, whereas it's 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 not it's not that simple really. And I, and I sorry. But the, but and they they can almost get more criticism than the people that they're trying to to um, whose influence they're they're trying to kind of negate or, try, or trying to kind of uh, persuade.
0: I felt I felt a little bit sorry for both Gill and, and Fergie at the time of the of the takeover. They both took enormous stick for essentially saying nothing and giving in. But I, if I had been in their shoes at the time, I would have been thinking, "Look, I'm here. I know the club. This is happening. There's nothing I can do about it." I want to be on the inside to try and keep things on a on an even keel um and you know they really they were really damn for it. i mean fergie isn't isn't perfect he's made a lot of mistakes and towards the end he was a bit of a cantankerous old bastard as well and pretty machiavellian but but I think they were were at that point acting in the best interest of the club and um it's I think it's a shame that that Gill didn't get any credit for what he'd done and still doesn't get any credit for what he'd done despite the fact that what's come afterwards has been has been 10 times as bad
1: well i, I agree with that and yeah i mean I, I, I can understand the people particularly the hardcore who say right, this this is our club and something this damaging you have to take a strong stance to stop it but i suppose if, you, if you, from their perspective particularly ferguson's perspective i mean he he's built up a legacy there i mean he it's become his club and as you say he pretty feels he could be much more productive inside and trying to you know pre- prevent potentially more damaging things of, can happen. Which, which I suppose it did happen while he was in charge given what they I mean it is it, 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 it's, it's actually one of the great quirks of history that just three years after the Glazers took over United produced what was arguably in spite of the Glazers probably what is statistically the best team in their history
0: yeah I suppose I suppose people would argue that the the um, the basis of that team was, was already well, in place that's true I mean, yeah, yeah, place yeah, say, yeah. as they came in it, it followed quite a similar um, path to the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after they took over and that there was there was success well, you know, yeah that's that, that's true yeah yeah absolutely um, and there was an, there was an in, input of money at, at first and then really things started it was really post 2010 when um, Ronaldo was gone and you know United refinanced their debt and it spent about 60 million to 80 million on doing that and from there it was really a case of trying to keep things ticking over because the, the investment wasn't really there although I would say that by the end I think Fergie had when he knew he was going to be going, and he would lost that title to the City, I think his last season was just a season of self-interest. Yeah,
1: completely. Even though Ben Percy signed, him, he knew this player will win us the league, get him in. would you and and they were decisions he wasn't making in that Where he he almost got slightly vengeresque in some in some decisions. Like I mean, the the players he indulged between that twenty ten to twenty thirteen period, that it was actually quite remarkable. Now,
0: yeah, absolutely. If and and he left, he did leave Moyes an absolute hospital pass. Um, you know, that was a team which he would wrung the very last strips of, of anything else to them and they were on, on you know on the downward slope. Um do you think that and Moyes did make an awful balls up of it, as we know, but do you think if Van Harbour to leave this summer, do you think the club is in a better shape than say than at the end of Moyes' time at United? Or the team the squad.
1: Is the squad? Well, a shape? Uh, yeah, you suppose it, it's it's almost hard to say because just I was just thinking there as you were saying that about the, the the squad that Moyes was left with, whereas that was basically right. Okay, the the Gaya, the, the, the 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 future of the goalkeeper position is secure unless Real Madrid go <laughs> in. Yeah, but but I but you know fundamentally they have one of the best young goalkeepers in the world, um, and someone had ten years service ahead of them. The defense, uh, one of the best defenses of all time, had had its day. That needed to rebuild, and there was nothing. There was nothing really behind. So Ferguson hadn't done his usual thing. Of gradually phasing in a new defence as he tried in other positions, and um, Carrick, who had been the main midfielder throughout that '06 uh, to '09 team, he'd, um, he he was in a similar situation to defence, just still still capable of being competitive, but past his best. Obviously, they hadn't replaced the kind of the creative hub of the team in goals. Um, I mean, they, they they never did get Wesley Snyder in. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> still despair at the name. Yeah, uh, yeah and. He, like, I think probably with Moyes, there were more identifiable areas of weakness. Whereas now, it's almost like the, the team is quite, it's a bit hoshposh. You know, it's actually quite strong in certain areas, but then it's, it's all so fluid. And maybe this is kind of a, something to do with Van Gaal's management as well. That but basically, you almost need a new manager to come in and impose a system to, to then more obviously see who can work where. And what key signings? Uh, I think elements of now are better, but it's just, it's just not as obvious because there there's a core of young players there as well. I I do think I, I know the Di Maria debate. Uh, Di Maria himself causes so much debate among fans, but I do think it is a great waste. from United's perspective that such a brilliant player was a- allowed just so someone that could have been supreme for United has been it's been allowed to kind of fritter away and. I, I think for all of Di Maria's personal problems, my, my my opinion is that that's still down to Van Gaal's robust management, and it's kind of a shame that you know, United finally got such a coup of a player, but they lost it because of it was a rare point in history when they had a manager like that.
0: I do wonder, I was going to mention about the, the, the two games this week. Um, we've seen a, a completely different Memphis to play um, this week, and I think anybody who would seen him play for PSV on a regular basis, and at times for Holland, could see there was a Ridiculously talented kid there, but it obviously just wasn't happening for him, and he took, he's taken awful lot of stick from United fans this season. Um, there seems to be a, um, well, there's been a perception that he wasn't trying, um, and, you know, people take a front to, to players who aren't playing well, who also obviously leave quite, leave quite lavish lifestyles, and some of the papers seem to have a bit of an obsession with his cars, um, that he bought with the money he earns, but there you go. Um, I think, I have to say, I thought I thought his performance on Thursday was probably the best individual performance I've seen at United since Ronaldo left. Um, and you do wonder, as with um, Ronaldo coming after Beckham left, you wonder if in the long run we might think, well, Di Maria didn't work, we missed out on it. But the flip side is, we got to pay.
1: Yeah, that's, that's true actually. yeah, to be fair, and 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 there are a few parallels with Ronaldo actually because I mean, it, it's it's so easy to forget now. But between 2003 and 2006, Ronaldo was often a really, really frustrating player, and 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 he didn't even score that many goals for the first two seasons.
0: No, I and mean, he used to insist on taking free kicks, which he almost invariably stuck into the you know rose yeah
1: Yeah, um, and and, and there was even the dynamic that he, he he always seemed to play better in international tournaments for Portugal than he did for United.
0: I, I I could just I could just see the really see the parallels there, and I think I think there's a player waiting to explode. It'd be interesting to see now, with Rashford doing so well as well, how, what he decides to do with Martial when he comes back into yeah, the team. Yeah, completely. And, and then Rooney, because you know, logic, common sense says you can't put Rooney back into that team at the moment, but it would really surprise me if Van Hal didn't put Rooney yeah, back into that, team, into that team the moment he's fit again. Exactly, exactly, um, yeah. And you wonder what what impact that'll have on everybody else. And you have to say, that's probably one of Van Hal's biggest mistakes. There are an awful lot of them, but
1: and and it is amazing, given Rangal's history of how he treats stars, how he's usually willing to. I mean, he said he. I mean, he still says how how he dealt with stars at the Dutch team in two thousand and one is one of the great regrets of his career. And he, you know, he, he made vows after that. But we've almost seen the opposite of Rooney, where he's. good. I suppose because maybe Rooney. I think we all know Rooney's a powerful figure at the club anyway. But also, I thought Rooney's I think quite dutiful with Rangel. He doesn't. There seems to be a, a good deal of respect between them, whereas in contrast to. The, Maybe some of the Dutch international players he had in the past. there was kind of open dispute with them.
0: I, sp- I suppose that that's that's almost part of their um, their makeup, isn't it? Um, it? It just has been. It has been really quite just disastrous that he decided this after season just to throw his hat on on Rooney. It was going to be Rooney. Rooney had to score the goals. Um, I was going to say another thing it's contrast with the with the Dutch and and with other clubs he's been at in the past. We were saying earlier how um, he he kind of always seems to be on the edge of. Uh, Van Hole always seems to be on the edge of, 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 it, of finishing but he always seems to sort of pull something out of the hat and you were saying that the crowd were um were singing his name yesterday. And I think I think you know to an extent because I'd loved him to have gone in December, but I think to an extent English clubs and United are a victim of our of our own reserve. Um in that we don't we don't like to openly revolt in in football sta- in football stadia as the as the Spanish would or um as the Italians would. And we're all we're awfully respectful of of individuals, I think. Whereas in other countries they're not, and so everybody wants it to work. And if there's any chance of it working, then we're immediately cheering his name again, which which gives gives the message to to Woodward and the board that that he you know he hasn't lost the crowd, and we go round around in circles. Well, I,
1: that's one thing. Someone someone uh an agent would no, text text me that yesterday actually, after the dive said. I, I I bet I bet the club are preparing his new contract as we speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a
0: small part of me. I, I got to the point a few weeks ago. Where I thought perhaps it was best that we just start kept losing until he was gone because, you know, the season the season was dying a bit, and then there, there's just a, there was still a small part of me yesterday that, that basically thought, for fuck's sake, we will stuck with him now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can completely
1: understand <laughs> that. But then, at like I mean, as I said, personally, I've uh, you know. I think Van Gaal should go. I've I've written a load of critical articles about him recently, and yeah, yesterday, um, when all of a sudden I was I was, I was thinking to myself, if he does go, some of this could be a shame. And particularly now, when you, when you mentioned there about how they've got this potentially fine young core of Memphis and Martial, whereas if it is Mourinho to come in, will he be so willing to indulge that core to give? I mean,
0: this is what i going to ask you because you wrote another piece about how you thought Mourinho perhaps wasn't the right, the right manager for United at this time, um. And that was one of the points she made, and the other one was obviously the influence of the four-game enders. Do you want, just want to just summarise what you what your feelings are on that?
1: Yeah, I think um, I can completely understand the uh, how seductive a choice Mourinho is, and there is absolutely huge potential that he could immediately make United super competitive again. But I, I I I'm kind of coming around to the idea that the the long-term cost of that is too great. to, I I I think it would be a classic short. It, it would actually almost. In the recent history of the club, it'd be it would be the defining decision. It would almost kind of this regime. It's it's almost it's, it's, it's almost an inevitability about it that they would take the most short term decision possible rather than taking the clever decision and kind of looking at the wider and and even assessing the fact that Mourinho could potentially. I'm not saying years, but I I think there was a strong argument that he's passed his best, if not quite even if not even a busted flush.
0: I was going to say that. Do you, Do you think that his failure at Chelsea this season was? Was really down to his sort of um, his talents not not being as great as they were, or was it really down to individual circumstances that just combined to um, sort of undermine everything they'd done?
1: Um, well, I think there is an argument towards the latter, except for the fact that there are so many parallels that happen to Real that you would wonder now, but you, you, there are serious questions to be asked as a management. I mean, my, I suppose my reading of the situation would be, would be this I think M- Mourinho. In t- in terms of figure, he's still one of the great figures in the game. Uh, I think his particular style of football and his inherently pragmatic approach is something that I, I think that there are stats to to indicate this, given the amount of goals that are now scored at the top-level European football and what clubs like Barca and Bayern have done. But I think his his inherently pragmatic style is slightly out of date. Now that, that doesn't matter so much if he can compensate it with all his other qualities, and his biggest quality, as we know, is basically this deep psychological intensity, and it's what basically Diego Simeone has done at Atletico Madrid as well, in which he kind of forged a similar connection with the players, and that's fine if that's working, but from speaking to people around Chelsea and seeing what happened at Chelsea, that that ran its course much more quickly this time, and it ran its course for specific reasons, which are pretty much relevant to United as well, I mean, I wrote this at the time, but uh, I mean, one absolutely key story I heard was that around January, February, when Diego Costa was having all his difficulties and Sky were were regularly hammering him, you know, Mourinho obviously had that um, he he had such public goes at as and Redknapp. Yet yeah, from what I've heard, and i heard from three different people around the club now, he it, it wasn't just that he was saying them publicly to deflect criticism from Costa. He was actually becoming almost obsessed with it. He was mentioning it all the time. And as what, ha- as what happened to Real Madrid, he was almost trying to you know impose on players that need to get in behind this as well. You, and you can, it was almost, again, he was being bothered about this rather than performance of the team. And from what I've heard, it was basically the point where, like, because I suppose, first of all, this current generation never had as close a connection to him as the 2005 team of Drogba Terry did. Uh, and they certainly didn't have a close connection. I say the current Atletico Madrid team has with with Simeone, given similarities as managers. So there was already that kind of like potential for a fracture there. But once they saw that, I mean, I suppose previously he would have carried that natural authority. But once that natural authority was brought, once they saw kind of almost you know behind the curtain that he had the same kind of <laughs> human uh, neuroses, of everyone else, and the way he got up it did just kind of fundamentally. Break that connection. It meant that they couldn't buy into his ideas in the same way, and I, and I think it did lead to to what we saw this season. And I suppose from that, there was also this cascade of controversy as well, with the most conspicuous being the uh, the Dr. Carnero uh, incident.
0: It's it's interesting. I was going to say, sorry, it's in- interesting that um, from the outside, it it seemed like from the very start of that season, he he had a, basically had a cob on and that he clearly hadn't got the players he wanted in the summer as well, and I think Carnero was just seemed seemed to be a, a symptom of that that frustration, um, and obviously that was that was way over over any line, you know that he's that he's crossed in the past, and he did just seem to, for the first time, he did as you were saying, he did really seem to internally implode.
1: Yeah, and he, he didn't know how to handle it. It was like he was, and I suppose the worst part of it is, and the worst part that United should consider, it was almost it was almost as if he was uh, he became consumed by problems that didn't need to be there, problems that that really kinda of came of a either problems he'd imagine or that came of his own making.
0: Yeah. I suppose the the um the positive for United if they were looking to get Marine in the summer is that they need to they need to recover quickly. Um, and if there's one thing that he's done in the past is that he he will build a club up well he not build with no guarantees but he usually builds a club up very quickly. You give him give him a season or two, and he and he gets you back. And given the financial implications of United missing out on the Champions League again, and the fact that Guardiola's come in and potentially Conte at Chelsea, there are going to be some really big managerial names. And um, th- there's an argument there that United really need that um, that presence to to get them back on track. And if it means he burns quickly and then leaves in two or three years, then then he serves his purpose at, at the time. I know we've talked about the um, potential for not, you know, these players not getting games and things, but I perhaps I'm being a bit too perhaps I'm being naive, but I kind of feel that if he does want the United' job as much as he's saying he does, then he might he might be willing to compromise to a degree and try to buy into some of the ideals that the, that the yeah. club has. I, I, and to, now, be fa- to
1: be fair, Chelsea Chelsea did we're looking at Martial as well, so from one perspective, so I suppose that's yeah, yeah I mean. There are certain he has used certain young players because, as he says, he said himself, he's seen in ten minutes they're good enough. And I think with Martial, it's obvious he's already good enough. But, but yeah, I mean, in terms of what you were saying there, I suppose I mean, the positives of Mourinho. I mean, first of all, can you imagine how absolutely super motivated a a man as proud of himself as he is to make to make amends for what's gone on in the last two years? Um, and, I, and I suppose it, it, it's not just that I mean, from from what I've heard from people at Chelsea as well when he came back in the summer of 2013, a lot of people were actually surprised at how uh, subdued he was, which I suppose maybe plays into these kind of wider debates about whether he actually wanted to be at United that summer. Um, so just two things. He, he certainly, he, he's at the job that we know he's all long-wanted. Long and secondly, he, he will want to show everyone that this Chelsea was an aberration, that, that, he, that he's back. Then on the other side, is the Guardiola angle. So it, 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 again, like with this United regime, if Mourinho were to go in there, it would bring so many different strands of his career together, and I think he w- I think yeah, for a, for a season or two, yeah. I I think he would be would be seeing maybe peak Mourinho.
0: The other the other negative that you that you mentioned was the influence potential influence of Jorge Mendes. Um, I kind of look at this two ways. I can see your your point, and you're kind of seeing the the potential dangers of, um an agent and he and the particular agent having so much influence at a club at Valencia. Um but on the flip side, um, United probably won't have Champions League football this summer. It's gonna be very difficult to to get really top class players. And if there are two people that could potentially get you top class players, it's it's probably Mourinho and Mendes combined. Um and you know, I guess I guess you're you're more of the opinion that United would probably be Mendes would probably have too much control at United, and that would be detrimental to to the club in the medium to long term.
1: Well, I suppose I mean uh, the other side of it. If you look at the uh, the two modern, the two biggest super clubs now, who I suppose United, given their own size, should be looking to replicate um Barça and Bayern now. But, but both, I suppose, this why if it came down to it, I know it's again, it's so seductive and it's so and it's so natural that many United fans would want we. Can we we not put in these long term plans while also having the short term solution to winning? That's completely understandable. But from that perspective, and I suppose maybe it's a detachment of being a journalist, I think this is the summer to make the long term decisions. Do what Bayern, uh, Barca, and City did, or or City are in the process of doing, and make it a year zero, restructure everything, uh, look at the entire thing. And And if you look at Bayern and Barca as well, they're two clubs. I mean, how many deals have they done, with Mendes, over the past few years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's what I, I think. I, I I would just again. I, I can understand the, the, many United fans what thinking. Yeah, that's we we still need something now, but my, my personal would be to lean towards the long term and and take decisions that will be hard now and could lead to maybe two difficult years. But I think it's it's better for the club in in the much longer term.
0: I suppose if, um, if you take that view, then the, the million-dollar question is, if not Mourinho, then who?
1: Well, I suppose this is, um, I suppose Pochettino would be perfect in that regard, but I think uh, I think you're right. I don't think he'll leave Spurs. I think he's got a good thing going there. I think there's almost certain pride. And also, it could be almost damaging to his own trajectory to come from that to to United that needs such rebuilding. Although, to be fair... A lot of people would have said the same about Spurs. Levy's even reigned in as spending. And I I wrote a piece uh, at the start of the summer about... uh, Or sorry, uh, in in August, just before United played them on the opening day of the season, about how Spurs are taking this conscious long-term step uh, and and they've kind of gone away from the immediate need to try and break the top four. And yet, ironically, or perhaps uh, as a direct consequence, this looks like the season where they're not only going to finish in the top four, they could well win the title. Um, But I suppose in regards to that, if if you are going to take a long-term view I mean, I wrote this in that, in that piece I did recently on Mourinho and um, and Mendes, and that for Eurosport. Uh, as the intro, I touched on a it was a basically a private dinner. And I, I can't say who it was because it was the nature of how these things were, but it was a private dinner that a, a lot of uh, London journalists were invited to with the uh, with a, with an influential director at a at a top Champions League club, and he 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 was talking about this whole idea of you know long term process and changing cultures and that. And he, and he was saying about how, you know, he used that analogy in sailing. If you keep just doing what the leaders do, which I suppose in the case of United is basically trying to bring in the most obvious, biggest names, then you'll never actually get ahead of them. You kind of, you actually have to think innovatively, think about the coming thing. And that's almost what they have to do with a manager now. I mean, I know they're, they've been warned off the Moyes thing. Or sorry, I know the, the Moyes situation has warned them off, taking untried things, but I, I think it's actually different. Because anyone could have, anyone could have seen that actually... Moyes wasn't the coming thing anymore. He'd actually been in the job for ten years. You know, he 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 reached a plateau at Everton. I mean, even before Ferguson brought him into the United job, there was already talk about. From uh, there already a lot of debate among Everton fans whether it was time to move him on. Now, you don't want to go to, if you're looking for the next thing, you don't want to go to a manager like that. You want to look at someone with with Brighty, someone at a similar point in their career as Pochettino, basically. Now, as to who that is, uh, I suppose maybe that's why that's why you buy. Uh, an expert uh, technical director. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. I mean I suppose another name that's been mentioned is, is Simeone um and I I suspect that he probably would like the job if it were offered, but do you get the impression that he's just been a perfect fit for Atletico and that perhaps he might not be as um, effective outside of that that environment?
1: Yeah, uh, I think there's an element to that, but I still I still think he'd be I think his he, his his Tactical intelligence and his force of personality are so fierce that I think he'd still be a success. Um, even if, as I think to a certain to a certain extent, is the perfect storm. Um, I like I think he'd be more effective in that way. I've seen Conte's name, I just, like, him and Conte bring a similar intensity to sides, but Simeone does it in a more sustainable way. Um, I think Conte, it, it, I think it could, with Chelsea it could go one or two ways. He could he could suddenly be exactly the spark they need. Or else we could really see a kind of a a clash here because you know, he 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 can do some things that, you know, maybe even Mourinho would balk at. Um the, the greater issue with Simeone is actually I would argue almost the football. I mean it, it comes back to that, that thing we're talking about, Mourinho, whether his football is outdated. Um or not outdated, but kind of past the point when it was as as effective as it was between two thousand five and two thousand ten because of how the game has changed. But I mean, you can, you can almost see it with a lot of Simeone teams now, and a similar thing with 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 Chelsea under Mourinho. You know, it, it was a tight game. That the intensity of the side carried them through almost rather than the creativity. And we've still seen with problems with Letco this season, where they have it. I mean, even before the one 0 win against Real at the weekend, they 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 got a a bit of a goal drought. And there is that still. I think they're more creative than Mourinho's Chelsea, but not that much more creative. No, and he's
0: he's built up. He did the Goldfish Bowl of La Liga as well, where you, he Atletico can't possibly compete financially with with Real and Barca, so they had to create a different model that that would allow them to to to, to keep, you know to keep keep, keep a hold on them. Whereas, were he to come to United, then he's got to be looking at building a completely different model where you know United need to be the dominant side. That's where they that's where they should be if everything's working working right. And you just wonder. But on the flip side, he's done what many people think Ryan Giggs should do before he, if he ever became United manager which is he went away and he's managed at a few clubs and he's made mistakes he's had poor spells at clubs he did very well at um, River Plate and and he really sort of the job found him after he'd sort of done his apprenticeship which um you know, it's, it's, people are talking about Giggs as manager it's a very romantic notion but to me it seems it would seem like absolute madness to appoint a complete novice to the, one of the biggest jobs in football without any experience at
1: all. I even I, I, people say the same about Guardiola. Giggs could be the Guardiola. Well, Guardiola, in a, in a different kind of way, did the same to Simeone. He went off and basically... I mean, the amount of research that Guardiola did into management, the amount of people he, he, um, he talked to and discussed things with before he actually became a coach. Like, he, he almost did... He, he, he basically almost did a university degree in management before, before becoming a manager. And Giggs hasn't, really, Giggs hasn't really done that. And I suppose if Giggs was to take the job now, and he, met, and he had one bad season, it, it, would, it would probably just kill him off. He, he'd never, he'd, like, he'd, he'd or sorry, kill him off in the sense of ever being a United manager again, of, of doing the stream. Whereas if he went away, tried his hand three or four different jobs, maybe made some big mistakes, people would be more willing to forgive that, I think, there'd be a sense, okay, he's learning. Because even, even now, I think we'll eventually see what with Neville as well. I mean, it's, personally, actually, there was, almost a, there was a real shawden fraud about Neville over the past few weeks. Like, like, like the extent of criticism he got was bizarre. Yes, yeah, it's, the...
0: it's a shame, isn't it? Yeah, I can't, I can't really understand how people didn't want him to do well.
1: Yeah, but um, but, but, but also if you think of the context, Neville, like, he, like if you, what he did is actually really admirable because he spe- you know, his whole fundamental reason, uh, you know, we always complain about you know, f- foreign managers coming into England or, or England managers or, or sorry English English managers not being willing to go abroad. But he basically took if you the context of that job is basically the hardest job any coach could take. It's it's a bad case club own true problems it's a different country he doesn't speak the language and it's his first ever job we talk about all the different things you have to overcome so it was going to naturally was going to have problems yeah and so you know whereas if he has a success now you know <laughs> it's hard to imagine he'll ever have more difficult circumstances again
0: no exactly i think there are a lot of people who who think that sort of medium-term level might be a, a far better bet than gigs um you just, just feels that, that he needs to go away and, and the job will find him if he, if he does well enough. Um, I, I think there was talk of him being offered the Swansea job earlier in the, earlier in the season. And that to me looked like a really good job for him to, to take out from the start because, you know, they are, they are fundamentally a very well run club. I mean, I know they're having a difficult season, but that's a, that is kind of a model for, for sort of a, a lower league club that's built itself up to be a sustainable, Premier League club, and that that was a really good um, o- opportunity for him. And it seems like he stayed on the on the basis that he may have got the the United job when Van Gaal left. And I think I, I wonder if, if at the end of the season he probably kicked himself for that because Van Gaal will go. And I think you're right about about Giggs that there's already quite a lot of criticism for him before he's even been offered the job.
1: I, I, uh, yeah, and I do I do wonder whether a lot of that has to do with almost there's a certain sense of of self entitlement to it as well, like 'cause because he feel like the, now he of course he's never he's never really spoken about this publicly as so well, never said he kinda of want, wants the job next. But there do there does seem this kind of assumption about that he that he does. And I think maybe almost people are reacting to that. Uh, and I suppose the fact that he's kind of been maybe tainted by two regimes now. Exactly,
0: and I think there's also the the, the notion that he'd probably be um Fergie's choice and that, that, that potentially you could reintroduce influence from above that that is slowly fading away at the moment. Um, so, if we we assume Van Hall's going at the, end of the season and it looks probably like he's not going to go before then, now how do you see the the rest of the season panning out for United?
1: Um, <laughs> it's kind of hard to say, really. It's a tough question, isn't yeah. it? But because things suddenly look so bright yesterday, um, and you and you do like there, and there is I know it's kind of quite an intangible thing and almost seem a superficial thing, but there is actually a momentum to build on. If you're going to allow youngsters a few more games, no fear about put no pressure on them suddenly they could be kind of back close to the Champions League places. But the only, so the only big caveat to that is we have seen this a few times with Van Gaal. And it, it's, it even happened in the last two months where suddenly there's a bit of spark again. Like it's happened with some of the FA Cup games. There's a little bit of spark again and you think, OK, you might, you might have it back. And then suddenly, just when you think everything has changed, it reverts once again.
0: It's back to Belgium it's back to Sunderland. Um, I think it's interesting. Yesterday. It feels like United have won a few games lately, and they have. They, but, but quite a few of them have been in the Cups. And it it going to yesterday's game they had three wins in thirteen league games, which is pretty astonishing. You know, this season's just been record after record broken in terms of in terms of um points and, and results. Um, you know, really from from October until um this weekend, United were in essentially just hovering above the relegation zone form. Um and it seems astonishing that he's still Yeah
1: I, I, he's still in the job. And let's be fair, given given the, the squad they could have had given the money they spent, not necessarily because directly because of the money they spent, but because of the squad they could have had with the money they spent if they had they spent the money intelligently, and given the season that's in it, United should be challenging for the title now. They they probably they probably should be leading it to be honest.
0: Do you think? How, where do you think that squad could, could be if it was being well managed?
1: I still I still think top to be honest, even this squad I think it could be on, the, on in a title race. I mean, like if you, if you actually look at the Spurs squad, uh, I was I was actually thinking this yesterday. It's still quite, a lo- or, or, this, might be, this might sound slightly harsh, but it's quite a low base of quality. There's very few actual standout players in that team, but they're players that look very good together in the right partnership. And again, they're players that are being made much better by the right manager. So, I mean, to to a certain extent, if the manager is good enough, it, you know, the, the the squad quality is relative. And suddenly players that have been underperforming can look incredible.
0: But that Spurs team, they they look very hungry, don't they? They've got quite a lot of young players, and they look very hungry. They've not achieved anything yet, much in their careers, and they look. Whereas, I think I, I was wondering if if um, it's almost by coincidence that, that Van Hall's doing better with the younger players because because they're they're more determined, they're more uh, you know there's more fire in their bellies, and also they're more malleable.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't the Actually, and that, that's relevant to the, the, the whole Spurs thing as well, because I suppose <laughs> I've been saying they're a lower base quality, but that, that's almost kind of to a to a certain, to a certain degree as a sideline issue. Pochettino has been Ferguson-like in his absolute ruthlessness in, get, in getting rid of anyone who isn't 100% buying into his ideas, which is, which basically created this momentum about the team.
0: Okay, last question. Do you think
1: United can make the Champions League this season? Um, I think if I, if I was putting money on it, I'd say I, I, I wouldn't bet on it. But but I, given this season and given what we've seen in the last week, I think there's a much better chance than there has been at any point over the past two months, basically. I I think I think there is the potential for a recharge now.
0: Who do you think they might overtake if, if that were
1: the case? So it's quite weird, this, because it's impossible almost not to say Leicester and Spurs, just because you just... It's almost this unexplainable, but yet inevitable inclination to just go, go towards what we know. I mean, for the past three months despite what we've seen with City, I, I still have this almost lingering feeling that City will put this run together that wins in the title. And and really, that, that's beyond, beyond their previous quality. There's almost no rationale for that. And it's almost the same with Leicester and Spurs. So if United were to get it, I'd almost argue it's because one of Leicester and Spurs fall away. And yet at the, and yet at the same time, I'm, I'm expecting them to challenge for the title with each other.
0: City have been so strange this season. You know, they've lost as many games as United have, Um And with the resources they've got, you know, they, 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 they go into some games and they just power through them and, you know, score three, four, five goals. And then they just lose games that they shouldn't, that you'd never imagine them losing. Um, and it's, it's hard to put your finger on exactly what the, what the problem is. And I do wonder if they might become a little sidetracked this season with the Champions League. Um, particularly if they get, you know, if they get, get to the quarterfinals, then it's, you know, it's not as far away. And Pellegrini, you know, it's difficult. You've got a manager who's leaving. Um, and, for him, he's got to be thinking, "Wow, I can, I can go out and win the Champions League." Now, the chance of that happening are probably pretty low because I'd still fancy Barca or Bayern to to stuff them. But it's it's an interesting interesting way he's got to prioritise for the rest of the season. Do you think Do you think that um, that the announcement that he was leaving, the announcement that Guardiola, Guardiola was coming, was a, was a, was a good thing or or a bad thing for for City's season? Um.
1: I think it's almost a pretty continuation because I think the fundamental problem—he's almost the opposite of Pochettino, Pellegrini—in that he's quite a good technical coach. Well, Pochettino's a good technical coach as well, but he, he, sorry, psychology-wise, the opposite of Pochettino because it does often feel with City that he's—he's he's actually almost like Wenger, Pellegrini. That way, he has these kind of you know broad macro ideas that when that of building the team up to a point where they're playing phone football, and that's fine when they're on confidence. But it's like when they're, when they're not on form, or when something happens to cause that causes tr- that confidence to drop, they don't have that, that that psychological baseline. They don't have they don't have a a, sa- a psychological safety net. They can't seem to grind things, which means that when it goes bad, it goes very bad, which is pretty much what we've seen. Now I suppose that's also the opposite to Guardiola. I think that's and that's one thing that will really change with City from the summer on the intensity of that side. Pe- Pe- Pellegrini doesn't give that intensity. So from that regard, I, I actually don't think that the, the the Guardiola announcement changes too much. It's a, it's a, it's an issue. The side have always had this ability to get distracted, even when they won the title in 2013-14. That was actually quite bizarre because they'd won it despite losing three of of the four games to the to the rest of the top three.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and, yeah, it, and it's
1: amazing. The same could yet happen this season. They've lost almost all their big games, but yet if they put if you get you still get the sense if City win five games in a row because no one seems to be able to do that this season, then they, then they could be there again.
0: It sounds, it sounds stupid because we are waiting, we, you were saying, we're always waiting for the Spurs and Leicester to drop off but then, you know, Leicester on, on Saturday, they did the classic United thing which was, you know, they didn't, weren't playing very well and scored scored at the death and there's got to come a point when you think, you know, bloody hell, they are actually a really good team and you look at the players they've got, you look at the squad and you, other than the Vardy and Mahrez, they're all sort of very hard-working journeymen to a degree it, 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 it's, it's the nature of football that Ranieri's gone from losing to Fer- the Faroe Islands twice with Greece to, to potentially win the Premier League title with, with um, Leicester. Um, it'd be a terrific fingers up to, um, to Chelsea as well from him, I imagine, although I'm sure he's too, um, he's too nice to yeah, exactly. think that. Um, but, well, I thought i will have to wrap it up there. Thank you very much, Miguel. No problem, on, Yeah. Cheers. Pleasure. And thank you all for listening and we'll be back with you next week.